Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Building Success, a real estate podcast. My name is Nicholas Frank, and I'll be your guide as we talk to some of the best and brightest in the world of real estate tech, operations, and financials from across the globe. If you like what you hear, we'd love to know it. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and please be sure to leave a rating and review to let us know how we're doing. Today, I am speaking with Nick Buzietta from Liminal VR, Virtual Reality, and today we talk about virtual reality in real estate as well as all of the new technologies and developments that are happening in virtual reality in a lot of other industries and aspects as well. It was a really lively conversation. Um, we discussed really its emotional impact, which to me was the most interesting part of today's episode, is that it's more than just creating a, an experience that is lifelike, but it's creating an emotional experience. And that's really at the heart of what Liminal does and what they're doing to the real estate industry. So without further ado, let me present to you Nick Buzietta. So today I'm joined by Nick Buzietta, Managing Director at Liminal VR. Thank you so much for joining me today, Nick, all the way from Australia. Thanks for having me, Nick. And before we kind of start talking about our topic today, uh, about VR, uh, virtual reality, I wanted to talk a little bit about you, uh, maybe introduce yourself to the people listening. Uh, what brought you to this industry? Yeah, well, um, I guess about four years ago um, was the first time I ever got exposed to virtual reality. I've always had a passion for um, psychology and technology and, and, and how, how the interplay between the two of them. And I tried um, a, uh, a very primitive uh, VR experience on Google Cardboard, which runs off a mobile phone um, about four years ago. It was a very basic experience where... You're moving around a building, uh, you're exploring it from the outside, uh, you walk inside, you go up some stairs, and, and you're just looking around and there's, there's a few little dynamic features going on. So it was a very sort of uh, CGI type fidelity. And, and I remember just despite all that, being struck by the sense of awe uh, and the sense of scale that, that the technology could deliver from something as simple as a mobile phone. And I, I thought, uh, you know, I thought a lot about this after, after using that experience. And, and it became a, a technology I, I increasingly gravitated to and, and kept coming back to. And this, um, you know, I guess kick-started an ongoing obsession that I've had ever since uh, with how VR can be used to generate these kinds of emotional impacts. And, and that's what led me to co-found Liminal. Um, so we, we, I started a company with my co-founder, Damien Marathi, and, and we sort of built a team around this idea that VR can be used to generate these emotional states in people. And, and we've, it, it, it quickly evolved into two arms of our business. So we've got Liminal VR, which is a uh, platform that we're after almost four years hopefully about to launch very soon where um where it's going to be a platform of experiences uh designed to empower people to choose how they want to feel or perform through vr and we've got a global network of partners who are I guess, utilizing our research to build experiences for our upcoming platform. And we, and, uh, we also do have a commercial arm, Liminal uh, 360, where we do, um, I guess, a whole range of um, projects with it. 
in a, in, a, in a lot of different industries. So I guess that that we're, we're, we'll probably be talking a little bit about both today. But um, but that's the broad snapshot of I guess who I am and and what brought me uh, to starting this business in this industry. Yeah, I do want to talk on both of those in our discussion today, but. I think before we do that, before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of what's happening at Liminal, um, can you provide a brief overview of what virtual reality is? Because I know when I think of it, um, with my limited knowledge base on, on virtual reality, I, I'm always thinking about video games, um, the headsets that, that come with some smartphones now, but can you maybe give a, a broad overview of kind of what virtual reality is today? Yeah, sure. So um, there certainly are some amazing games out there that you can play in VR, um, but that really is only an entry point into the technology for most people. Um, virtual reality fundamentally is about immersing people in a digital world. So um, you can be standing uh, you know, or sitting anywhere where you ordinarily would in your living room or in your workplace, um, you know, in the real world, you can put on a headset and you, what you're experiencing is uh, a completely immersive audio-visual experience that takes you away from the, the physical world that you're currently in. So it, it's like a portal to another universe and, uh, and, and that can take you in many, many different directions and there's many, many applications that come of that. But what's, what's fascinating about VR is when you immerse people uh, in a completely digital world, you generate what psychologists call a sense of presence. So that's that sense of being actually there where you're, um, what you, you may consciously know if you stop and think about it, but it's a completely digital experience you're standing in the real world, but um, there's a part of your brain, your lizard brain is, um, that, you know, at the subcortical level that doesn't separate back from fiction. It doesn't realize that uh, the, the information it's seeing and perceiving is actually um, is, is, is actually illusion. And what that that means is that you can generate these transformative um, effects, um, you know, on on a, on a person's person's emotional state. So. Um, so that's that's my version of what VR is. Um, there's many many different forms of VR that, that's that's been emerging um, um, into the consumer market in recent times in the in the last couple of years. So um, to date, there's been two broad categories of VR headset that's come to the market. We've got um, you know as you mentioned, mobile VR systems, and and the most prominent of which are currently. Um, Google Daydream and the Samsung Gear VR, which connect to a phone, and um, the, it, what that offers you is a very, very portable experience. You can take it with you and go wherever you want. You don't need to uh, connect it to a very powerful computer in order to, to run some pretty decent uh, VR content. Um, and on, on the other hand, if you want a dedicated setup in a in a in a defined space, you can you can opt with. Um, tethered systems like the HTC Vive and the Oculus Rift. Now these systems are connected to a very powerful uh, PC with a very very powerful graphics card, um, and they, they you know you, you can have uh, you wear your headset, you've got some controllers, and it's all tracked, and you can physically walk around in the real world. And as you're walking around in the real world, you're walking around in the virtual world as well, and you can interact with that space. So so they're the that's the state of the art you know, high-end immersive um, VR system. Uh, but what you don't get with mobile is that portability. But then it, um, in this year, there's a third category of VR 
headset that's coming to the market. The all-in-one headsets, the most prominent uh, of which um, initially is going to be the Oculus Go. Um, and, and this is uh, a completely uh, self-contained VR headset with no external hardware required. You don't need a PC, you don't need a mobile phone. You just, um, you just strap it on, turn it on, and it's got all the hardware built in. Uh, so, so that, for us, is, is a very exciting trend as well. Um, <clears throat> the VR has been used in, in, in a lot of different industries already. Um, so, in, in, you know, what, what we've, uh, we've, we've been involved in training simulations for health and safety and things of that nature. Obviously, property walkthroughs has been used by architects, has been used by property marketing agencies for, to, to assist with sales. Um, we've, there's been clinical products built um, around PTSD and anxiety reduction and pain relief. Uh, brand activations, uh, you know, designers of all persuasions have been using VR to help with their design de development process. Uh, the car industry, for example, have been early adopters of that as well. So I, I definitely want to go down the the real estate road, which which you mentioned. There's been some some developments in VR there, and what I find interesting is that it seems like where virtual reality really started was with this personal experience, and it was about um, the, the individual and finding ways to, to kind of augment their reality of sorts. But now we're starting to move to the ability to utilize this for business. And with that, there's definitely some applications in real estate that you kind of already started to mention, but I'd, I'd hope you could maybe go down that road a little bit more into real estate specifically. Uh, what are some of the kind of projects that are underway in that space? Yeah, well, um, I guess there's, there's, there's a couple of different avenues that we've been involved in uh, from a real estate perspective. So we have, um, you, you can go from capturing images of the real world and, uh, and, and replicating that in VR. So, so you can have like 360 video and virtual tours that you can create with 360 photos. That, um, like that, that, that's, I guess, the easy starting point for many people. Um, then you can have uh, pre-rendered uh, VR experiences, just like a, a typical property render. You can, you can convert that into a, a form for virtual reality where you um, can deliver that, for example, on a mobile phone and have people teleport from room to room in a photo real environment, uh, looking around effectively um, like a, an immersive render. And you can create virtual tours and deliver that via a downloadable app, if you like. Um, and, th and that's those sort of projects we've been involved in um, over the years. Um, then you can have the more dynamic type experiences, um, which you typically set up in a display suite where you can um, literally uh, where at one of the high-end systems I was talking about before, walk around a building, um, you know, and explore. You can have dynamic features um, in that in in the building as well. Uh, you can have, um, you know, the a pot cooking on the stove, or you can change the time of day so the sun changes as you know, and you, you get to see where where the the shadows and, and how the sunlight sort of moves around the room uh, in your living room. Um, which you can manipulate in, in, in those sort of experiences. And then we've had um, government uh, clients as well that have been interested in uh, VR for community consultation and town planning. Um, so, so we've got one government client 
um, that that's engaged us to develop VR experiences to help them sell land as part of their land releases here in um, here in Australia. So um, there's there's a lot of different different use cases. I mentioned also architects are increasingly using it as part of their workflow as well to um, to to show clients what you know what what a, what a particular design is going to look like um, in VR. And we've also um, increasingly been in discussions um, about uh, about the um, the ability to um, to simulate environments that haven't been built yet and then conduct user testing to see how people respond to those environments before you commit all the resources to building building the um, a, 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 for example a piece of infrastructure or a building so the real estate industry and and this has been a common theme on our on our podcast uh, have been laggards historically when it comes to kind of embracing technology. What what are some of the benefits for a property management company to, to start embracing this technology? Because I can see a lot of them looking at this and saying that, you know, maybe this is this is years out yet. Maybe this is still something I want to wait and react. Why why is this important now for property management organizations? Yeah, so um you know, I guess the, the obvious uh, starting point is it provides a unique selling proposition for developers who want to engage potential buyers or, or even potential tenants uh, to, to, um, to, I guess, purchase uh, or lease a, a, um, a property before it's being built. Um, I guess what, what we're sort of starting to see is, is a gradual increase in, in consumer adoption and awareness of the technology. And, and, and what we find is it's going to quickly transform in the property sector from being uh, a technology that, that's going to be sort of a, a, a discretionary piece of their, um, their marketing and sales uh, armory to being a, part, a standard part of that armory, where um, where you know we, we're going to have a more discerning customer in a couple of years' time who are going to be very familiar with virtual reality, and 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 I think there's going to be a component of buyers who are going to expect virtual reality to be part of their um, their their buying experience, and and the reason I'm so confident about that is because all you have to do is look at how property is currently sold with established buildings. So, you know, most people wouldn't ever imagine buying a house if they haven't physically walked through it and inspected it first. They expect to see, you know, at least have the opportunity to, to see what they're going to buy before they buy it. And, and with VR, you can now do the same. It's, it's, really, um, it's really almost a throwback to the way uh, established properties are being sold where... Uh, even though a property hasn't been constructed yet, a buyer will be afforded an opportunity to see what they're going to get. And I think as the market matures and, and uh, headset adoption uh, continues to rise, you're going to start to see people who are increasingly put in a position where they're going to have to pick between the developers that offer them a virtual reality experience where you can, where you can actually see what, what the property is going to look like before it's being built and those those developers that don't offer that. And then, and, and, and I, I feel increasingly over time, um, those developers that don't offer that uh, opportunity for people to see what the property is going to look like is, are going to be at a disadvantage. Um, we're not 
at that point yet, but that's that's where I feel like it's going to be going once once we, you know as we progress towards consumer adoption. So so tell me more about Liminal and the future of the projects you're working on. I know they're not all necessarily in real estate, but for for the fact of you know my own fascination, what are some of the other cool projects that you're working on? Yeah, well, it, it, it's interesting. Um, it, it, it's far and wide the sorts of things that people come to us um, asking us to build. So what, one experience that we did uh, was for Medibank, which is um, Australia's largest health insurer. They uh, gave us the brief of creating a virtual reality experience for long-term hospital patients. So um, creating an experience to help them alleviate loneliness um, their, their sense of loneliness. So, so what um, what we did was we created an experience where you're in a natural forest scene. It takes the person outside of um, the the usual stuffy hospital environment, and uh, and you're introduced by an avatar to select from a range of stories. And, and there's a whole bunch of avatars there sitting um, sitting in a circle around you, and, and you're um, you select the story, and then depending on the story, you select one of the other avatars uh, reads that story to you. So the, the idea was it was to cre- create a bit of a social experience um, for people who don't, who after a while they don't have, uh, they don't tend to get visitors in the hospital anymore. Um, so, so that was a, a research-based um, experience that was designed to provide a calming effect on people. So that, that was one project we did with Medibank. Um, We've also done training simulations. So we worked with Take New South Wales, which is a, a vocational training institute in Australia, um, to create a, uh, a uh, health and safety training simulation for uh, students who are um, um, learning about health and safety and building construction sites. So, you know, you learn to operate, um, you know, uh, diets and do some land surveying and, and identify hazards on on, uh, in buildings at different stages of construction, um, we've we've done a historical reconstruction of a historical building uh, called the Coop Shot Tower here here in Melbourne, which is an old uh, shotgun uh, bullet making uh, building where you, the the way it used to work is you're up at the top of a a, a 50 foot building and you've got molten lead and you're pouring molten lead into a sieve and it's raining down this lead down 50 feet and it cools as it's falling down and um and that's how they used to make shotgun pellets so um we uh we we did we did a historical reconstruction of that where where you're the person making the shotgun pellets um which was which was really exciting we worked with a, a a historian um to to make sure that the experience was historically accurate and um and 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 Bringing what what was uh, you know uh, basically in 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 the museum, bringing a single image that was black and white, and we brought that to life and gave people a three minute immersive experience uh, as an education tool. Uh, we also did a brand activation called Pixels Escape with Deakin University, um, where um, we it, it was the whole purpose of this experience was to engage students. Uh, in the idea of, um, of of signing up as students to to the university and and um, to make Deakin look like a fun place to 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 study and and so we uh, created an experience where 
you you literally have a robot that that runs a mock and 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 you know blows himself up on a Tesla power coil, and you've got three minutes to quickly put him back together, or or you know, or you lose, and the whole experience gets gets more and more intense over time. So you know, and we we've we've been asked to do fire extinguisher projects and and plumbing simulations and all sorts of things. So there's there's many different use cases that. That, that we that you know in VR that and we're, we're one of the interesting things about being a bespoke uh, VR companies is that is that people come to us with their ideas so so we never know what we're going to be doing next. So what I love about what you were just talking about is the you kept saying the word experience, and when I think about virtual reality and I think about what an experience is in virtual reality, I'm typically thinking of trying to make it as realistic as possible in the in the art of gaming it's about making it entertaining for training it's about utility but there's a lot of emotion i think that that you're working on right now with with how you develop your projects and um i say that having having been to your website looking at your team and not only do you have this this creative and, and i guess like the tech and development team but you also have a full team involved with psychology and research, and I, I find that really fascinating. Can you kind of speak to the decision to really put a, a big focus on the emotional aspect and not just on the technical? Yeah, well, people love to feel different emotions. Um, that's why some of us meditate. That's why others uh, listen to music. Um, other people take recreational drugs. Um, you know, and we know um, that the entertainment industry has been, have been experts in, in moving people and affecting us emotionally across all, all realms of entertainment, whether it's video games, movies, art, music. Um, and, and, you know, you, you don't create uh, a film or a piece of music to make people feel neutral. You want them to feel something, and, and often you want them into things in that, in that process. And then there's emerging fields in, in neuroscience and psychology, fields such as neuroaesthetics um, and, and affective computing, um, where, you know, that, that have been developed, where, where scientists are working at how, you know, art and, and, and technology can move, uh, move people and change people's emotional states. And then in conjunction with all this, um, as I sort of touched on at the beginning, organic to VR is its ability to generate emotional and cognitive states in people. We're, we're now, uh, as, a, as, a, as a medium, we've got a new technology that adds immersion as an additional layer um, to, to what the existing technologies have already been doing. So I guess that's why we've, um, we've gone into the emotional um, side of things so deeply because um, we we feel that um, that um, virtual reality takes all this to another level and, and what we I guess our mission as a company is to organize um, all, all the all the research out there and all the techniques that have been adopted there's a lot of trial and error that's been done and there's a whole a whole bunch of new um, new opportunities that have emerged through a technology like like virtual reality, and and I guess we're we're looking at ways to um, to optimize the design for VR to reliably and you know generate these transformative effects in people, and 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 it's something that I think gets a lot of people excited. If if you haven't used uh, VR before, 
um, and you know, um, then you know, I, I'd, I'd urge you to to give it a go, try try some of the really good VR experiences, and you'll know what I'm talking about. So, so for us, that's why we've got a team of psychologists and neuroscientists on our team that that that's effectively we've set ourselves up in a way uh, to be a bit like a operate a bit like a biotech company where we're trying to synthesise all these design factors in VR so that we can create experiences that that have the maximum impact um, in moving people, not just not just visualising um, visualising something. Yeah, the the crossroads of, of psychology and technology, and it's it's funny because as you were just talking about that, I was thinking back to the commercials for some of these new VR headsets, and a lot of them they play on the emotion where people are wearing the headset, and then as soon as they take it off, it brings a tear to their eye for how authentic of an experience it was when they put it on. So that's definitely kind of the route that a lot of these companies are going as well is trying to play on that emotional aspect. That's right. That's right. And 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 what um you know like I think the way technology has tended to evolve has been sort of working against uh, the, the human body in some ways. We we hunched over. We're you know um we're, we're hunched over. Our, our mobile phones. We're we you know sitting at our keyboards, and and you know that's that's had. Uh, and, and a psychological effect we're bombarding ourselves with too much information for us to digest and and I think like VR is part of this process where we're starting to engage with technology in a more humanistic sort of way and um, and, and I think uh, I think that that's only going to be a cause for good and that's why that's why it's such a compelling uh, technology for people who've tried it so what does the next five to ten years look like yeah, well, VR is the next computing platform, right? So it's something that's increasingly going to be more ubiquitous and more compelling and more integrated into our lives. Um, you can expect, you know, in five to ten years, a large number of people owning their own headset. At least most homes will have them. Most workplaces will have them. Um, we'll see more powerful computers, more you know, better screen resolution, uh, increased haptics, like the you know when when you're um, when you're engaging with acting, interacting with an experience, you might get a buzz in a, in a controller or, or in a haptic glove that that gives you that sort of tactile sensation. Um, and and then we're gonna we're gonna have, have this emerging community of users and developers who are going to in, increasingly interact in VR and, and all these use cases are gonna gonna emerge um, out of it. Like it, at, at the moment, um, at the moment it, it, it's a it's a discretionary exercise to, to, to you know put on a VR headset and, and sort of engage in I guess immersive computing. Um, in, in five to ten years I think it's gonna be uh, it's just gonna be the way pe- people uh, interact with technology. It, you know, VR is gonna have a big role to play. In all of that, and you see that translating over to real estate as well. Absolutely, I, as I said, I think if we've got this emerging community of um, of users um, who are you know becoming accustomed to using vir- technologies like virtual reality and augmented reality, then I think it's something that um, the real estate industry won't be able to ignore. And and also, um, it's, it's probably worth pointing out it's already been used in the real estate industry. Uh, there's a lot of architects that are currently using it in, in the sort of development process. 
because it's such a compelling uh, way to to understand uh, what a property is going to look like. And, and then, so, you know, there's no reason um, why that, well, the same thing will not happen uh, at the at the sales end and at the consumer end where people are informing themselves what they want to buy, that they're going to want to be able to sort of see uh, something that hasn't been built yet and, and to, to understand what it is that, that, um, that they're going to get at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's another it's another example for the real estate industry where, technology that kind of starts out as a personal experience turns into something that becomes a business experience, much like how social media has been a big factor in the way that people are doing business and how real estate companies work with their tenants and residents with virtual reality is just the next step in that technology progression. That's right. And, and I think there's some very exciting opportunities um, for evidence-based design as well and to conduct user user testing um, before you uh, you commit to you know to digging up the earth and building a building a physical building or even going through the planning process, you can you can uh, literally um, engage with potential buyers before you've even put the uh, the building to market to see see you know what they respond well to, what they don't respond well to with a particular design. And, 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 you know, and I guess provide a smarter way to, uh, to bring, bring your potential, uh, you know, buyers into that process. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, this has been a great discussion, and I truly appreciate you taking the time over there in Australia. Thanks a lot, Nick. It's been fun at my end, too. If, uh, if you'd like more information on the types of things that uh, are happening at Liminal, you can visit their websites at liminalvr.com or at liminal360.com. And for all things building success, be sure to check out mrisoftware.com slash building success. And until next time, we will see you later.